You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner, CEO of Empirical Wealth Management. Sitting next to my co-host, Ethan Broga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Welcome to the show as usual. It's good to see you. Good to be here. Today is uh, July 11th and we are, we are broadcasting live from the Empirical Towers in downtown Seattle. Lovely day outside. Very beautiful and sunny, Ethan. Indeed. Much like your complexion. Thank you. I've been working on it. Yeah, yeah. You look great. Um, I can tell you've been moisturizing. This show is designed to share with you prudent investing and financial planning ideas. A couple jokes along the way. Mm -hmm. But prudent, the core of the show is to to share with you prudent investing and and financial planning ideas in hopes of helping you make smarter financial decisions. We are uh, Empirical Wealth Management, Ethan. We are a... As you know, we're a fee-based financial uh, advisory company registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. That's right. I was going to say, real quick, not professional comedians, just professional advisors. Exactly. And uh, we're both professional advisors. Been doing this for quite a long time now. It has been a while. And uh, so, Ethan, I thought before we get the show going here, I thought we'd just kind of talk about well, lots of different topics, but uh, we have a few concepts here on how to make how to make you a better investor, mm-hmm. and um, and so I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Maybe a little bit about five twenty nine. I was forwarded an article about uh, with some ideas on five twenty nines or college savings. That cover a little bit of that. Um, talk a bit, a little bit about um, bonds again. We talked about it last week, but maybe just touch a little bit on it and. Uh, some other, some other questions or issues that have popped up with investors recently. Sure, okay. That we can share. Before we do all that, though, do you want to tell our listeners what we can do for them outside of this educational radio program? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you're an individual investor out there, and uh, maybe you're looking for a second, something as simple as a second opinion in your current investment approach, maybe your, your evaluation of your current investments, uh, or maybe you're looking for more. Maybe you're you're looking toward retirement and uh, would like to know how you have things set up relative to retirement and if they're set up appropriately and what types of things can be improved to help you get more out of retirement. Uh, I think we've covered numerous times on the show our, our five secrets to retirement success. Uh, we have a, actually a video of, of the summary of that approach on our website at empirical.net under retirement planning. And there you, you'll find a 20-minute clip of uh, about five different things that we think are real critical to getting the most out of your retirement. Uh, specifically, how to maximize Social Security, how to pay uh, less in taxes via Roth conversions, how to earn more from your investments via tax-free returns, i.e. investing Roth IRAs. And then also uh, looking at, at how our investment approach is uh, superior to well, the most investment approaches out there. And then bringing that all together in, in the form of a, a comprehensive cash flow retirement plan. So if you'd like to learn more about that, you can visit our website, again, empirical.net, um, or you can feel free to call me directly here at uh, the Empirical Office at 206-923-3474, and I'll be happy to speak with you uh, one-on-one as well. 
Same would apply. I would be happy to speak with you. Oh, so boy. feel free to uh, call and ask for Ken Smith or email me directly at ksmith at empirical.net. Great. Thanks, Ethan. Sure. Before we get started, I thought we could kick off the program going over the market numbers here a little bit and uh, let that lead and guide us as we progress through our discussion of becoming a more successful investor. Mm-hmm. And uh, today the Dow was up 169, over 169 points, to close at 15,461. Wow. Um, very, very interesting. Huge <clears throat> comeback or rebound in the, in the market here over just a few trading sessions. Last week we were at about 14,988. This time last week on the show. Um, so that's a, that's a nice little, uh, little rebound there, Ethan. Really is, very strong. 500 points. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and the Dow over the last 12 months is up 22.66% with today's close. Mm-hmm. And uh, year-to-date, about 18%. The S&P 500 was up about 22 points to 16.75 today. That may be um, hitting a new high, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think it is. Looking uh, I'm looking for it here, but I don't see it okay. exactly. But it's very, very close if it's not. Yes. Um, and that's up uh, 24% over the last 12 months, almost 25, and uh, year-to-date, 17.45%. If you look at uh, small companies, let's skip down. Small company growth up uh, about 24%. Small company value up about 19% year-to-date. Uh, large cap growth, 16%. Large cap value, 19.58 for the year, year-to-date number. The EFA index, which is the Foreign Developed Country International Index we like to track, Ethan, mm-hmm. is up about 5.93% year-to-date. Um, and the uh, Emerging Markets Index is actually down 11.23%. However, today it was up uh, substantially, I think about 4 4 over four and a half percent, just over four, yeah, yeah, in one single day, and that's how fast. I mean, if you think about wow. uh, it being down eleven percent over the course of the whole year. If it can move four and a half percent in a single day, that's how quickly. Just think how fast it can recover and become positive. Right. And I think that's where I'd like to start our conversation today. I mean, interest rates are still reasonably low, and maybe we'll co- go back to that in a second. But we were talking. Um, before the show, just about investors we've met with and spoken to, and uh, you know, if it's it, it's always something within a portfolio that can cause a person to derail their strategy. Sure. Um, and in this case, emerging markets can do that. You know, we we have exposure to emerging markets. We recommend having exposure to emerging markets, mm-hmm. but we certainly don't recommend having that exposure uh, for a very short period of time. Right. As a get-quick-rich-money-making scheme, it's it's a long-term endeavor that you have faith and confidence that these components of the world market will add diversification and enhance, potentially enhance, return over a longer period. And by longer, I mean 10, 20-plus years. Not even a single year, much less three months or a month or... Yeah. Um, the, sh- the shorter seven the, months, the shorter yeah. the time frame, the, the less obviously certain of uh, the outcome, right? So these things, you're right. Uh, particularly, stocks have 
10-year-plus horizon for those specific monies. And over that period of time, what's likely to get you the best results? And we think it's including those asset classes rather than not. And I, I think you know the, the case for diversification is only stronger when you look at the disparity between you have large U.S. stocks up 17.45% as measured by the S&P, and you have emerging markets down 11 Now, there are two ways you could look at that. A person can say, well, diversification stinks because you guys, for example, if it was one of our clients, you guys put me in all these different investment classes. Uh, The best one was large value. I would rather have the 19.58. Why didn't you put all my money in that? Mm -hmm. And why didn't you know to stay away from the emerging markets this year? Right. That's one way of looking at it. It is one way to look at it. And another way of looking at it is, well, there's a reason for having that diversification. In fact, the diversification is a good strategy. It's helping, not hurting. Do you want to tackle that a little bit? Yeah, I can, I can tackle a little bit. I know yeah, it, let's tackle it. Certainly in the, in the short run, um, yeah, I would have preferred to only own the one thing that did the best out of all the asset classes. I, I think that I can say that unequivocally with hindsight. <laughs> That's exactly what I wish we did, right? But I'm also equally sure that you're playing my song. I like that. Uh, over the next increment of time, you know, the, the lower the returns are in a particular asset class, I think we should frame it this way, or at least this is one way to frame it. All of the asset classes on the equity side that we include uh, have a positive outcome expectation, right? We all expect positive returns from those asset classes. No? We do, right? Yes, we do. We do. Or we would not include Exactly that. right. Let's get that clear and out on the table <laughs> right now. I don't, we don't own anything, in fact, in the portfolio that we expect to have a negative return. But... As confident as I am in that, I am equally confident that and I don't... You are a very confident man. Well, in some ways. But when it comes to this stuff, that's true. I'm equally confident that I don't know with any precision that over the next 12 months, which asset class is actually going to be the best performer. I know that as well. I know I don't know for sure. Um, but I know the odds are that, hey, all of them probably will have, will have a positive return because that's the nature of, of investing in stocks. Um, but I also know this. Over the long run, I'd expect, and we see this in the, in, in the past data... That A, all of them have a positive expected return. That's true. And the, that expected return is pretty close to each other, actually. If you looked at, a, say, a, a 10 or 15-year period of time in terms of return expectations, aside from all the uh, sound effects, you'd see that, hey, within a pretty narrow range, each of the 15 asset classes we include probably will have a pretty similar outcome right. over that 15-year period. Right. You may have one that has 12%, maybe one has 11%, maybe one has 10%, but they're all going to be pretty positive. And what does that mean? If they have the same expected outcome, but you have periods of time when one doesn't do as well as the other, like we're experiencing right now with emerging markets down 11% and the S&P up 18%. That means future returns for those other asset classes that had recent underperformance are going to have better performance in, in the future to catch up to get to the right. essentially the same outcome over the long run. And that's why it makes no sense to abandon those after they decline because they're going to turn around and do better in the future. So in the world we live in today, Ethan, I think it's important that if you are listening to this and you take this one thing away, I think it will add immense value to your investment success over the course of your lifetime if you haven't already embraced this concept. And it is in today's world, the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial Index is not the relevant benchmark for how your portfolio is performing. True. So if you look at the World Stock Index as an example, um, it's up 9.42%. To me, that's a success story. It's not a failure that, well, geez, I should have been in the S&P because for the last 10 years, the S&P is the very last place you want to be, right? 
right. relative to a diversified, uh-huh. globally diversified right. asset allocated portfolio, which all the hype and discussion about whether this idea of diversification failed um, through the financial crisis, to me, has only continued to be proven incorrect or inaccurate or the wrong discussion to be having. It's worked incredibly well. And uh, so that's the very first thing here. If you're sitting there and you have a globally diversified portfolio, whether you constructed it yourself, and we'll talk about an article that was in the Wall Street Journal that went past me about that, uh, or, or, or you have an advisor who's implementing a globally diversified investment strategy, it's, you will always have a particular investment asset class that underperforms or outperforms the portfolio of asset class. Sure. There'll be some that, if the average here is 9.42 of the world stock, right? We know emerging markets is not contributing to that. Right. It's in that index, but it's actually a negative contribution. Um, However, the U.S. markets are contributing to the positive return. The IFA, the developed international, clearly year-to-date, hasn't done as well. But You've got a, a return that's middle of the road. Now, like you pointed out, even over the long run, we expect to, you know, if, if the return year-to-date on that is 9.42, we expect all of these asset classes to converge with a mu- to a much tighter um, range of returns. That's right. I don't expect over the next 40 years that the range of returns will be 20%, right? I mean, here we have a range of negative 11 to positive 19. That's 30%. Right, right, right. From, from the best performing asset class to the worst equity asset class, mm-hmm. it's not reasonable to say over the next 40 years we'll have an annualized return difference of 30% from the best to the worst. <laughs> they don't see that in the data, and there's no reason to believe economically that the, right. if that did happen, it would be completely unpredictable and totally random. It would, would only strengthen the case of owning all of them because you don't know which one that's going to be. Right. So the benefit in the way that we're building the portfolios are we're we're diversifying across these because we know that we don't know which one will be the best. Um, we shouldn't necessarily get more credit for putting more into the S&P than the emerging markets. Nobody knew now which one was going to do better in the six-month or seven-month period. But we're not, invest- we're not investing. We wouldn't own emerging markets if somebody had a – we wouldn't own equities in, at all if someone had a six-month much less a three-month time horizon, right. right? That's true, right? And so it's it's important to know that it, it's not – you can choose anything. You'll always find something that's done reasonably well in a period of time. But the, you getting your expectations aligned to what the appropriate benchmark is will cause you – will, will significantly improve your likelihood of sticking with the strategy and – more importantly, get you the returns that you need and the success that you're looking for. Because moving in and out of these is the recipe for disaster. You know, and what the data shows is that while it seems very easy to do, you know, it's easy for for us. Oh, looks like we're going to take a quick break. Let's take a quick break and we'll pick up on this. When Sounds we get good. Back. We'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your host, uh, Ethan Broga, alongside uh, Ken Smith here. Just talking about, uh, well, just two guys talking right now. Uh, a little bit about the market, how we've hit some recent uh, all-time highs again. Uh, looking at the disparity between the different asset classes year-to-date and uh, talking about the long-term expectation with that. And to set it up, Ethan, I know you wanted to make a couple of points here. We were saying how emerging markets is down 11%. Yeah. And... Would you abandon a strategy? Would you feel in, inclined to change your portfolio and say, well, why would, why would I own these emerging markets now? It's a bad time when they're losing money. And if my advisor is, and, and, his, and the combined return of their portfolio is less than the S&P 500, does that warrant a change in your, did the, the advisor, is, is he, letting, he or she letting you down? Mm-hmm. Are they not doing their job? And, our argument is no, it's quite the opposite. And we were saying, yeah, nobody would have predicted this year um, that the S&P would be up 17%. In fact, we've talked over and over again how Repeatedly. we were supposed to be having horrible returns for the next 10 years in equities. And we, yeah, and I, I keep on seeing uh, Harry Dunt saying that I was going to, thir- to 3,000 here pretty soon. So uh, I'm wait- I can not wait. I hope it doesn't happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And you were going to make a point. About last year, uh, yeah, scroll right. down memory lane. Yeah, it? exactly. We were yeah. talking about it on the break, and I was just mentioning that it's very clear, very easy to take. Hey, what's the year-to-date performance? Nice, like that period of time with these different asset classes. Again, the S and P up about seventeen. This is for yesterday. Uh, emerging markets down eleven percent. And say, well, gee, why do we have emerging markets in there? And aside from the the uh, theoretical reasons why you own it, let's take a little trip down the last six months of the of, of previous of the previous year. So from July to the end of of uh, December of two thousand and twelve. And what would you find there uh, over that increment of time? Well, you'd, I have the data right, conveniently right here. Um, with that, you have the S&P for that period of time uh, up about, that looks like 4.5%. So not terrible, actually. Uh, the Dow Jones only up 2% over that same period. Again, this is July through December 2012. And then, well, gee, well, Ethan, what did emerging markets do over that same period of time? And I happen to have the data 
um, at my fingertips if I could just find the actual asset class. Uh, about 15% for that entire period. So you have an opposite situation there where the Dow Jones down or up to only 2% for the last six months of the year or so. And then emerging markets actually leading the charge, uh, among other asset classes, did very, very well over last year. And see how that just kind of flip-flops? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could have told you July last year that, hey, I don't know what the next, next six months hold, but it's better to hold the, the diversified portfolio than, than the less diversified portfolio for that exact reason. And the same thing is true this year, even though the, the roles have reversed with those two asset classes. Yeah, for the year last year, the emerging markets uh, portfolio up 19.16, the fund that, that we look at, okay. um, for the whole year. Okay. And so, uh, not not bad. Now, now last year, and, and, and just one last analogy or story here, way of looking at this, is last year for the year, we've included... Uh, international real estate in our portfolio for several years now. Yeah. Um, probably five or six years or more, actually. And last year, international REITs were up over 33%. And that's a time, again, where... Uh, what was the S&P up last year, Ethan? Do you, you know offhand? Um, uh, I don't have it off the top of my head. I can find around, it okay. Um, I'll have it here in a minute. Somewhere around eighteen or nineteen percent. Yeah, I think so. Maybe and um, and so, would you say, hey, this is ridiculous? I I don't know why I owned the S and P five hundred last year when I only got eighteen or nineteen percent. Let's pretend it's eighteen percent. Mm-hmm. When international real estate did thirty three percent, my advisor should have had me all invested entirely in international real estate. Clearly, he doesn't. They don't know what they're doing, and I need to now. That's ridiculous, right? It's no different here yeah. that you, you wouldn't be out of completely out of emerging markets simply because it hasn't done well, you know. And and so it, it's not a good strategy. And the evidence to support what we're saying is overwhelming. So if you don't have evidence to the contrary, then it's worth pausing and thinking about it and saying, well, either I, I need to do some research and present some evidence to yourself. Counters that, other than your gut instinct, which is tends to be very biased. Yeah. Well, I knew it was going to go down. I, I knew when uh, Bernanke was going to talk, we should have been selling bonds, for example, because I knew they were going to drop. Well, of course, you did now. But a is that relevant to the longer term performance? That if your time horizon is twenty or thirty years, um, and and I, we've been having a lot of discussions about the bond components. Certainly, you don't want to be taking on risks that you don't get rewarded for. But once you've eliminated most of that, for example, by not buying 30-year maturities of bonds, mm-hmm. there's a certain element of, of bond risk that, that is worth taking, even going into an in, into a, an environment that may have a potentially um, rising interest rate scenario. Yeah, and it's... it's- I think the biggest reason there is because there, there are so many factors that affect the market, and it's impossible to know what those factors are at any all of them at any given point in time. So while it does seem obvious, and to me too, I think can I can tell you now with certainty rates will go up, right? With bonds, I know that well. That means prices will go down at some point, right? Mm-hmm. But I can also tell you with equal, again equal certainty that I don't know when, and I don't know the exact magnitude that's going to occur. And further, I don't know what exactly the stock market is going to do, which also will affect the performance of the bond market. Right? If stocks crash 50%, God forbid, you know, hey, I'm pretty sure the bonds will be pretty intact, particularly if they're shorter duration, right? 
that's what another reason why you have those those asset classes in in, in a diversified portfolio. So, Ethan, just to reiterate the 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 range of returns here in any short period of time are quite wide on any investment equity investment asset class. Right. Um, for the S and P, going back to 1926, it's been a year where we had 162.8 percent positive return to the worst year being a negative 67.57 drop. Wow. So the difference in there, right, is in excess of 200% range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go out to just a 10-year tw- a time horizon, say, hey, what are the worst 10-year return intervals? Okay. That narrows dramatically from a positive 21% to a negative 4.95%. So... Just exp- expanding your time horizon from one year to ten significantly reduces the. We don't have a two hundred percent range of return over a ten year period, right? <laughs> right. It, 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 it's not like wow, we've had a ten year period where the S and P did one hundred sixty two percent, and then we have another ten year period in history where it lost sixty seven percent a year for for ten years. No, it's plus twenty, and when we go out to twenty years. It tightens the band tightens even more. It's eighteen to two percent mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. both positive. But now, now our range of returns are both in the positive range. Now, with inflation, that may be slightly negative, but the the point remains, which is that the range gets tighter. You know, and the average rate rate of twenty uh, year returns on SP being about eleven point two three. Yeah. Now we were saying, hey, we expect most of these asset classes to fall within some reasonable range of one another mm-hmm. over the long long term. Yeah. But you don't know exactly what each one of these will do over any given specific period of time. But just because they do what they what I mean in any one year we know they're all going to be wild. But there are very few professional managers out there and you can easily verify this that have come on and publicly said Consistently, by the way, hey, here's ten asset classes: large U.S., small U.S., value growth, international emerging markets, all these different areas. And here's here's let me rank them from one to ten, and which ones are going to perform from top to bottom. And here's what the returns will actually be next mm. year, right? And have been right. I, I I would challenge anyone to send me the 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 one year that that. Someone has done this publicly, not just after the fact, but it's appeared on CNBC or published in Barron's or Wall Street Journal, and has ranked at least 10 asset classes, not just one, but 10, rank them, and had any anything close to a margin of what those returns will be. Yeah, right. And if you can't produce that, if you cannot produce that evidence to me... It doesn't exist. Well, I don't... Maybe it does, but if you can't <laughs> produce it, then... That means you don't have it, and so why would you be making decisions as if it does it does exist? Right. Because if you're making decisions on whether it's bonds is it the, on the bond side of it, or if it's the equity asset classes, if you're making those decisions to say, well, no, I, I should be getting in and out of these things, right? I need to be a, a digesting the daily news and what's going on in the world and and changing my allocation to these investment asset classes. If you if you're doing that, but you have no evidence that anyone's ever been able to do it with any kind of accuracy, uh, well then, then what are you really doing? Why do you expect that to be successful? Right. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. And that's the concept be- behind becoming an empirical investor, right? Is that we want to have research that substantiates and supports what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're presenting here. But I, I, I do get a little frustrated and flustered, maybe is the word. With, frustrated. With other professional, so-called professionals that go on to these various financial media outlets and are constantly purporting to know what's going on in the market, yet not one of them would do what this exercise that I'm pr- proposing. Oh, unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I challenge them. I, I will take $10,000 out of my own pocket, Ethan. Yeah. I might have to borrow it from you. Fair enough. We could sell your Camry. And uh, uh, still have plenty of change left over. <laughs> it's a luxury auto. That's exactly right. Um, We're going to the casino, it looks like. But I'll put 10000 I'm going to do the Warren Buffett thing. I can't put the kind of dough he can put out. Yeah, sure. You know, but, but if anyone would take that, now they have to agree to pay me 10000 if they're wrong. Sure. But if they can rank the top 10 asset classes and not only rank them in order, so they got to get the, the, them in order. And I'll give them a margin around that. I also need them to give me what the returns will be for the next 12 months, starting at number one, going down to 10, right? Yeah. If it's emerging markets and they put that number one and they say, hey, emerging markets will do 20%, I'll give them a, fi- I'll give them a 5% range around that huh. of their margin. That's very generous. So they can be can go from 15 to 25, and I'll still give them credit for it. I, I bet no one's going to, you can't even rank them, let alone get, tell you what the rate of return is going to be. I, 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 I'm putting this challenge out there. Fair enough. Okay, Ethan. Well, we're going to take a quick break. All right. And uh, we'll get this out into the public. But let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Empirical Investing Radio. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at EMPIRadio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back, Empirical Investing Radio. Uh, your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Uh, just before the break, Ken, you were making a very bold bold statement there, uh, some type of, uh, I don't know, bet about uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is on this, that I'm so tired of all these so-called experts and um, people who think they know how to make money in the market, and they have absolutely zero research or empirical support for, this, for their approach to it. Well, this is what's going to happen. This market's going to go up. This market's going to go down. And so I'm saying if, if you knew that, then it shouldn't be that hard to rank these asset classes. And let's take the equity side, and I'll give you 10, 10 of the investment classes. You rank them from 1 through 10. If it's so easy, then let's do it. And I want them ranked in order, and then I want a range, and I'm going to give you a 5% margin of error of what the returns on each of them will be. So you got to get the. I want you to get the order right, number one through ten, and right. then I want to know what the returns are going to be on each of these asset classes. If you can do that, then I then I will change my entire view on how the market works. That's a pretty significant change. I got a bet. I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even make it that complicated. If it but was, I am doing that one. No, no, I'm ten thousand dollars. Are you sure ten thousand yeah, dollars? I have to clear this with our compliance department. I don't know if I all right do that, but. Assuming I can get approval for that, I mean, I don't know how many people are willing to put ten thousand bucks uh, up for that. And maybe well, if you're a professional yeah, you manager, it's got to be a couple, right? Or if you're an investor that's managing millions of dollars on your own because sure. you don't need any help, right? You know what? What you can move in and out of these. No argument there. You should take it. This is the best investment you can make, right? I, I think uh, it's I, a sure thing. It's a lock. I, I would, I would take set up a lesser bet. Just go ahead and and I'll. Okay, well, I'll, this is a side bet, bet that you're going to do. Yeah, in my bet. I'm going to have all the, 15, all the 15 asset classes that we use in the portfolio. Okay. Not just the, the 10 that you've selected or whoever selected. For, to go ahead and pick the top one for the year, for the next 12 months. 100 bucks, maybe 50 cents. Mm. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Some number, though. No, like 1,000 bucks. I don't care what it is. <laughs> My point is it's going to be not quite as hard as Ken's uh, you know, Herculean task to get those. But certainly, uh, very difficult to do indeed. And even if you're professional, you're you're not professional. Well, it's, if it's so, why is it so Herculean? Everybody seems to think they can do it. That it's it's something that can easily be done. Well, I mean, I'm saying from my perspective, obviously, it's 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 impossible. I think it's not. No, okay. I don't think anybody will be able to do that. But clearly, we're on the hey, same side. Who, of the page. who whose side are you on here? <laughs> I'm on your side. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. And the, I and want people to take this. Investors fight. at large, I want them to, to, to do the right thing. And if I, if you have a, if you have an advisor out there who's claiming that they can predict the market, hey, real quick, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt. Try to try, try to track this. This reminds me of a, a new client of ours. Um, their, their story. We, we we just agreed to work together in the last two weeks. Okay. But before, because the market was in turmoil a couple weeks ago, right? Before we uh, were able to transfer assets. Um, their broker, their, the person's old broker, decided to recommend they sell all the stocks, all, all the securities in the portfolio. That's a great idea. Which is really terrible, right? And I mean, in the last couple of weeks, the markets have been very, very well. But obviously, that type of person knows what's happening, right? Clearly, can make those type of bold investment recommendations for actual investors. Uh, I'd like to give that person a call and have them on the show, I guess. But I'll take this. I, I agree. I'll take this, but... Um I can't take an unlimited number of bets. I, I can't cover all that even. Sure. We so want that. whoever gets to me first on these deals is going to right. get the bet, again, subject to compliance, compliance approval. approval. Sure. It, without the compliance approval, though, we can have this on the show. We can do it without any money at, at stake. Yeah, I think doesn't uh, when Warren Buffett does these types of things, doesn't he give the, the benefit to charity? Yeah. 
I'd be happy to do that. Fair enough. So I will I will donate it to um, to your favorite charity, qualified charity, qualified right charity. Fair enough. Um, yeah, that would be great. So, um, but if they win, hey, I don't mind if they keep the money, but I'll take the ten that I win and I'll donate it to charity. We'll I got you. Pick one and we'll okay. I'm I'm comfortable with that. I think that's a great idea, Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. So we've only been working together for I don't know how long. That's the first time. Fifteen I've years, ever, something like that. Uh, I had any trouble, but um, <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel. Very good. Very good. I'll take it a step further, though, Ethan, because this this exercise goes on constantly. And and I'm I'm just kind of tired of it because nobody is willing to support what they're it's constant opinion, right? And in the media, right? That's all we get. We were just talking a couple shows back. We were showing how the Wall Street Journal within one week had one guy coming on saying, "Hey, these low volatility funds are great." The other guy going, "Stay away from this stuff." It was, it was something like that. Yeah, I remember. Um, and they're constantly throwing out the predictions. I'll do the same thing with stocks. You can pick out of the entire S and P five hundred. Um, pick your favorite 10. Sure. And I want them ranked from number 1 to 10, which ones are going to do the best. And I want I want the returns, what, what those returns are going to be. I'll do it that way. And you're, you're a lion with this. I love it. You're, you're a tiger. Also, I'd be happy to create one that, that uh, revolves around interest rate predictions. If you oh. think you know what interest rates are going to do, Excellent. Let's, let's put our money where our trap is and and we can set something up for that yeah that'd be fantastic so I'd, I'd be willing to to do that all proceeds again i like your idea then we'll we'll put we'll give to charity fair enough if you can't then you there's a reason why you wouldn't be willing to do that and it's because in reality you realize it's an exercise in futility and you shouldn't be engaging in that strategy and if you are then treat it like it is it's gambling it's speculation because to me, something that has no support of working over time, that there are no is reason re- to believe that you have good odds of success. That's in repeatable, it, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's speculation. It may work sometimes, just like you may win the lottery. Somebody does occasionally, right? I've heard that. As you know, you may walk into the casino and sit down and, and put a, a large amount of money on a hand and win and walk out. If you leave right then with money, is it something that you would consistently do with your life savings yeah I don't think so with the probability of it working out and you being successful and that's what we're getting to alright upset about that Ethan that's exciting I don't think we've ever done that before uh, where we have these uh, we're innovators open bets here basically. we're innovators yeah Prove, put your money where your mouth is yeah if you can do otherwise it, I don't want to hear about it right? right yeah if Jim Cramer thinks he can pick stocks do I take my challenge Jim He's such a genius. If not, I think he should get off the program, keep his mouth shut, <laughs> right? Right. And start bringing you beverages. I could use day. another. That's what I'd like refill. to see. Yeah. Oh, let's hear it. Amen. Okay. So a couple of articles here uh, we could talk about, and uh, maybe we could jump to something a little more upbeat, and it's this 529 article. 
All right. That I thought would be kind of interesting. We've got a few minutes in this segment, and then we'll come back to more investment stuff. But I think we we need to, uh, you know, we, we we need to have a little positive thing in here. And so, in the, um, I was forwarded, forwarded an article, and thought I had it up, but I'm gonna have to pull it up real quick. While I'm doing that, Ethan, uh, if you want to talk about something. Sure. One of the articles we could re-talk about next is, uh, and I haven't uh, had a chance to read this entire thing thoroughly, was the better way to build an index. And I mean, off the top of my head, uh, the answer, yeah, for sure, we can build a better index. You know, uh, we spent a, a good deal of time a couple of shows ago talking about some of the drawbacks of indexing altogether. And... Um, what has uh, sort of been led to um, what we call now enhanced indexing and our main enhanced index provider of DFA. Um, I'd be interested to read through that too, possibly later on today. Yeah, we've got one more segment, so we'll be quick. Okay, it can pay. Here's the article. Thanks, Ethan. That was very helpful. It can pay to switch 529 college savings plans. This is in the Wall Street Journal from July 7th. Uh, Most people pick one plan and leave their money there. A different approach may be smarter. So, um, the article by Rachel uh, Rosenthal says, when families use 529 for college savings, they usually pick one of many state-sponsored programs and stick with it. But some families can benefit from a 529 switcheroo, moving money from one state's college savings plan to another or from having accounts in multiple states. So in that first paragraph, I agree. Um, our advice, and if you come to us, and we'll be happy to talk to you about it offline here, free, um, is even for my personal situation, I have more than one plan that I'm utilizing to keep the costs at a minimum, mm-hmm. Ethan, but diversify in the way that we just spent the last two segments talking about on a global basis. And I find that the choices among most 529 plans um, to date have been somewhat limited. Great. It's hard to get access to all the investment classes that I like to be invested in for the benefits of diversification that we just outlined and the return opportunities, it's been hard to get things like international REITs or small companies, uh, international small companies or emerging markets small or emerging markets value companies. Now, there have been some recent innovations where you can get that, but um, you can't get everything. So I'm utilizing a couple of different plans. Now, Washington here... We don't currently have the state income tax. So that is not a, a decision factor for me, getting the, the tax deduction on my state income tax for making a contribution. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that, you know, she talks about investing in your own state's plan may qualify you for a tax deduction or credit if you live in that state. But to me, unless the state is in an incredibly high tax bracket, uh, because it goes on to say, well, if you move that later, you you may get called back to pay the tax, uh-huh. so so it would be one thing if you could just simply make the contribution in there in that particular state. Say you live in Oregon, there's a state income tax there. Mm-hmm. You make the contribution, then a couple of years later you can move it out to a different state where they have better choices or lower cost investments and better choices. That that'd be the perfect combination. Uh, but if if you get sucked back into paying the tax, well, all you did was pay lose the opportunity of investing in the asset class you wanted, maybe pay higher expense ratios in the particular funds, and now you got to pay the tax anyway. That's not so good. That would be bad. 
yeah, it wouldn't be the best, the best situation. Um, so, you know, my concept on that would be, hey, w- what are you looking for in the plan? Certainly if you can get a tax, a tax break, but I just find it hard because there are only a couple of states that I've found so far that have the amount of choices or the investment choices at the, at the cost at the expense that I believe is reasonable to construct those portfolios on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if I was in a state right now where there was a a potential income tax, it'd have to overcome. I'd have to have a pretty short period of time that I'm investing where maybe it wouldn't make much of a difference um, to get access to that. Um, So like, uh, let's see what else she says here. If your state income offers the deduction... Consider transferring enough funds to maximize the deduction if it doesn't consider opening an in-state 529 plan in addition to your out-of-state plan and claiming the tax. So one idea would be that you could just make the contribution up to the the cap. Like in New York, they only allow a $5,000 tax benefit uh, for single or $10,000. But say you wanted to do $50,000. Right. You could, theoretically, you could put the $10,000 in the New York plan, get your maximum tax benefit. And then take the the other forty and put it into the plan that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty innovative. That's a good idea. That's a good idea to that degree. Um, looks like we're gonna have to take a quick break, and we'll be back. Uh, Ethan, let's take that quick quick break. And we'll be right back for our last segment. Sounds great. Okay. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P. I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, Empirical Investing Radio, your co-host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. We are entering our last segment for today, and uh, Ken, right before the break, we're just uh, kind of diving into conversation about 529 plans, and uh, I think you had some further insights for us. 
Yeah, they, they just, I, th- I thought the article was reasonably well written by Rachel Rosenthal here in the Wall Street Journal. She was saying, hey, think outside the box, which is what I love to do when we come with financial planning st- techniques or strategies, which mm-hmm. is something we've already been doing, which is I don't typically have just one plan. You can utilize multiple 529 plans. And I don't know if everyone was aware of that, that you're, you're not... Not only are you not limited to just picking a plan that's in your state, you don't have to use one that's in your state. These 529 plan vehicles were set up. State-sponsored plans to save for, for college and education. Some are, are tuition, connected to tuition, and some are uh, plans. You know, Here in Washington, we have the GET program, which is a guaranteed education tuition thing. Uh, and the return basically was supposed to be the price tuition. They're having some issues, but other plans are self-directed. You get to pick some investment choices, but from the beginning of these, they've been pretty limited. And so to get everything you want, you know, you can open multiple plans and uh, to do that. And, and so one of the ideas that she proposes, if you are in a state where you can get an income tax deduction, a state income tax deduction, you could consider maxing that out because most of them put, they have limits on how much you can get. And then open, take the rest of the money and put it into a plan that gives you the greatest, uh, she's saying lowest investment cost. But I say it's twofold. It's the investment cost, the cost of the investments, but also the choices. Right, I think it's important Because too. I was saying on the break, hey, if, if you're in 2009 and, and uh, you didn't have emerging markets as one of the options, and, and you, you know, especially for someone who's, uh, say it's an infant, right? And they've got quite a, a time horizon. If that was an area you wanted to be, the difference between the cost would be less of an impact than the difference in the return when emerging markets went up 80 or 90%. Sure. Um, I'd want to make sure that I get the asset classes that I'm targeting and that the costs are reasonable, and that's what I've done. And I'd be happy to share with, with anyone over the, you know, if you contact me directly, email me or call me. Uh, our number here at the firm is 800-1-800-923-4307 about how I've structured my plan. Um, Plans, actually, because, again, I am spreading it. Mm-hmm. But one other thing that I thought was worth uh, bringing up is that you have to be careful about switching because the other thing you can do is roll over a plan. Um, but you'd want to make sure that you don't get kind of called back on that tax issue. So you don't, if you roll it over later, you may have to pay the tax uh, anyway. But if you are rolling, because I moved, I've moved plans or move some money from one plan to another so I can get the balance I want between the investment options. Right. You get one time a year to do that. And it's important to realize that they treat, depending on how it's structured, you need to talk to the plan providers. Uh, that rollover, moving the money from one plan to another, um, can be uh, your investment rebalancing for the year as well. Oh. Um, and so that's where it, it gets kind of tricky because you, you want to make sure, especially if you're picking the individual securities in that 529 plan, that you can rebalance it. And normally you can do that by – one way you can do that or get around that issue is when you're contributing, you can change where the new dollars are going anytime. And so you can, in effect, rebalance yeah, by sure. directing those dollars. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a pretty good lump sum of money in there and, and relative to – what you're actually maybe you're contributing 100 bucks a month, but say you had 50 or 100 thousand dollars in the plan, that's not going to get you exactly where you want to go quick enough. Sure, um, you'd want to make sure make sure that you are optimizing that ability to rebalance. And if you're making a change, one way of handling it, say it's December, you go ahead and rebalance 
and then say it was $100,000 in that plan, you wanted to move fifty to another plan. Rebalance it the way you want in December, and then January, go ahead and make the move into the other plan. There are a lot, it gets a little tricky, but again, call us if you have any questions about that or emails or, what, or whatever. I just want to make you aware of potential pitfalls. Yeah, that's great. And also potential ideas here, because these are good ideas. Yeah. These are ways of looking. These can be very, very powerful, just like I know you love the Roth. Sure. Uh, the 529 plans can be very powerful t- tools, particularly if you get started early. Yeah, you're right about with that. The child that's born. I mean, if you pull it out for the qualified expense, it's tax free. That's a pretty good deal. It's hard to beat tax free. <laughs> it's a great April, deal, right? It's a great deal. Um, so you don't have any other drag. The drag has been, in my case, the frustration has been just the investments that I could access. But it's getting better. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there isn't hasn't been one perfect plan that that balances the need for low cost along with the, the need to have some unique asset classes included in the, among the investment choices. Uh, like you said, it's getting better, but it isn't uh, isn't perfect yet. And we can talk about this more later, but the the way that they're, you know, the age-based options versus being able to pick, I like to pick the specific funds and target because we have our targeted premium portfolios yeah, right. that have different exposures mm-hmm. to different areas of the market that I have expectations for greater returns um, with risk that goes along with that. So balancing my time frame with the return I'm trying to get and also whether I'm putting in and how much is... Those are all factors that, that I like to look at because mm-hmm. I really do. I want to optimize that, that 529 plan, particularly when it's tax-free on the growth. I want to make sure there is growth. No, right. I want it to be as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure I have the right investments in that. And it has some state tax benefits. It gets it out of your state. Right, that's true, um, too. But yet you retain control. It's a very unique vehicle in terms of I can take back those assets and there would be a penalty if it wasn't used for the qualified expenses, but um, that's still a very unique control to have it protected, potentially protected from creditors, mm-hmm. have it out of your state, and then still have, in, in essence, control of it. Yeah, it's it's powerful. Yeah, and and one thing we didn't talk about, but you're add on to that list of good things about the five two nine, the contribution limits are also very high. You know, they vary from plan to plan, but I mean they're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for most plans. Yeah. Which means if you're funding funding that earlier in a child's life, I mean you have, you know, almost two decades for that that to grow, uh, with high contribution limits. That means a lot of money uh, in the future for tax free. And what you mean is the the total amount that's allowed in in the plan. Yeah, um, those are very high. You you always need to be aware of the gift tax, uh, the gifting implications. True. Right. Because mm-hmm. typically, I think it's thirteen. Is it thirteen thousand this year still? Um, of what you can gift. Thirteen to fourteen. Thirteen to fourteen thousand. Per person, so husband and wife could each give that, right? Yep. Or in the past, you've been able to make, and I'll have to double-check that now, where you could make several years of contribution at once. Yeah, it used to be five years five of, years. of joint contributions at one time. I, I believe that's still the same, but I, I'm not positive. But then within that, five years, you can't make more. If you've made them all at right. once, you're just being able to do it now. Right. So just make sure you understand that as well when you're, when you're setting these up. Yeah, hey, then we'll now we only have a couple of minutes, but you wanted to talk about this uh, enhanced index deal. Yeah, uh, well, there's just the article that uh, that we have here, um, which just talks about, you know, is there a better way to build the index? Yeah, and, and it's in essence something we already are aware of. I think we've talked more than once on the show about this, this idea of uh, well, at least what the dis- disadvantages are uh, to purely index funds, and it mainly revolves around two things: that most index funds are um, are market cap weighted, 
So the larger companies have a larger representation of, of inside the index. Um, but of course, we know that historically speaking, the larger companies have lower returns. So you, if you're looking just for higher returns, you wouldn't structure it that way, for one thing. Um, the other drawback is, is the uh, index fund reconstitution effect as well, which I think we've We've covered at times as well. Well, Ethan, why don't we start next uh, week, and we'll talk about this idea of a better way to build this article. Okay. Because uh, we're out of time now. Already. So, uh, again, if you want to call us throughout the week at Empirical, uh, anywhere you are in the country, we're happy to help you. And our number, again, here at the firm is 1-800-923-4307. Thanks for tuning in to Empirical Investing Radio, and we'll be back next Thursday at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.